On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam, and welcome. When French director Samuel Bolden finished his TV show Marianne, he decided he wanted to work with an American company and started to read some scripts. In his research, he came across a script written by Chris Thomas Delvin and loved it for multiple reasons. It was simple, it was twisted, it was really sad, and it dealt with childhood abuse. Samuel realized that this would be the first time he would really be working off someone else's script, and so he worked very closely with Chris, each of them, quote, swimming in the story. Samuel then wrote in his director statement that he didn't want to tell a story that was bloody and gory, but rather one that was creepy and gritty. The result is, of course, this year's Cobweb. Starring Lizzie Kaplan, Anthony Starr, and Woody Norman, the movie had the unfortunate luck of both little advertisement or promotion and also premiering in theaters on July 21st, 2023 the same day as Barbie and Oppenheimer, aka Barbenheimer. However, after recently being released to streaming and home video, we hope this little scary movie will find the audience it was always meant to have. So, maybe don't talk to that voice coming from your bedroom wall in the night. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. And hi there, I am Brittany. And welcome back. We're covering Cobweb. Not the Korean film that uh, we'll be releasing in America soon, but rather uh, the American film that was released in July. Yes. Because I forgot that there's two. (laughs) Yeah, and we're officially in September, so it came to home video like quick. Yes. Now, I didn't find... I didn't find, like, an official page for this information, but I read somewhere that this was a $35 million film that made 350000 at the box office. Well, Did you find that anywhere? I do think what I saw on IMDb said it made $5 million. Okay. It only lost $30 million. Well, that's better. If that's true. I am trying to figure, while going to spoilers, what that $35 million went to. Uh, I think... A little CGI, for sure, because there is some CGI in it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, according to Wikipedia, it made $5.7 million. But I don't have what the actual thing was. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's not an overly complicated film or set. And there's only a little yeah. bit of CGI towards the end. I mean, maybe it was travel expenses. They did film in Bulgaria. Which baffles mm-hmm. me. It looks very American, so 
kudos to them. I will say I do want to thank Red Letter Media's YouTube channel because Mike and Jay were talking about this movie. They did a whole video about it. And I was like, what the fuck is this movie? And I watched them talk about it and I avoided spoilers. And I was just like, I I paused the thing and I was like, this looks interesting. And I went and I watched it because I was just like, I was like, I'll rent this. This looks kind of fun and a little spooky. And I was just like super impressed by it, which is why I was like, oh, it's it's kind of Halloween-y, but not like it takes place on the week leading up to Halloween, but it's not like overly Halloween-y. So I was like, it'll be a nice way to like kind of just slide into Spooktober's DMs, which, yeah. but yeah, I don't really know. It's not like a overly complicated set. It's a really well done movie, but like I, I, I'm not really sure what the thirty million dollars was. If that is accurate, not sure. Yeah. <laughs> and see, I remember seeing the trailer for this because instantly I saw like Anthony Starr and I was like Homelander. So yeah. like, and also Banshee, Sheriff Hood, mm-hmm. Sheriff Hood. So instantly I was like, ooh. But um, but yeah, it's just kind of like usually I I tend to watch movies more and more like if it's just something that's on streaming i've wanted to see i'm like oh i'm gonna watch it but a lot of times the movies i tend to like seek out is like either i keep seeing articles show up about them in my feed or like word of mouth people are like i've seen this Mm -hmm. you have to watch it and this movie kind of just vanished into like no one really talked about it at all i don't even remember it being out during barbenheimer and like i went to a like a we went to sidewalk which is it only has two theaters because it's like a local art house cinema and obviously it wasn't playing there because they were playing barbie (laughs) and jaws but i went to like the big megaplex when i saw oppenheimer and it was i don't remember seeing it playing but of course we've talked about this all of the amc theaters in our area don't put the movies titles on the little marquees anymore outside the theaters which i always think is really weird yeah i'm like what happened is it a budget thing i don't get it and it used to be it used to be also at the amc theaters that they would have posters of all the movies playing in the windows outside and now they don't always have those either like it's a 50 50 shot it's weird i don't know it just Kind of, I was like, I would like to know. I do think it's, yeah, but I don't remember seeing it. It is weird, too, because Seth Rogen produced this. This is, like, his first Halloween or horror movie yeah. he's produced. And I will say, unlike and Danny McBride, too. unlike Danny McBride, he has a much better grasp on what a good horror movie is. Because let me tell you, I tried to watch the 2018 Halloween last weekend. I did not finish it. I did not like it. I'm so sorry. I, th- I Everyone told me the first one was pretty good, and I believed them, but no, it was really bad. We're talking about, like, Halloween, Halloween, Kills Halloween, yeah. Ends Halloween? Yeah, the first one in the like, trilogy. I thought... I did not I like thought it. it was the best of the three. It is, but I didn't like it. <laughs> I yeah. was like, I didn't get through Fair it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was just like... Yeah. I was like, okay, the kills are great, but again, I need more than just... Like, I mean, it's just, okay... Michael Myers is about suspense, and it, it does not have a lot of suspense in that movie. It's just like, oh, like, he's just going to kill all these people up front. I was like, okay. Like, he doesn't kill anybody for the first, like, 45 minutes of the original movie. That's what's so great, because he's just creepily stalking people. I'm like, what the fuck happened? But I will say, who who was the other person that you said 
Oh, Evan Goldberg. So Evan oh. Goldberg and Seth Rogen are childhood friends. And yeah. super bad. That's why the characters are Seth and Evan. Yeah. Because of Seth and Evan. I know who that mm-hmm. is. Yes. Because he's been in a lot yeah. of shows, I want to say. Right? Yeah, they're usually like part they're like usually partners and like best buds when they do movies. So but the I actually it's funny because I actually saw Evan Goldberg name and then Taylor was the one that was like, Oh, Seth Rogan's a producer too. So Taylor was actually the one that saw Seth Rogan's name um in the opening credits before I did. But anyways, yeah, so they both produced this movie and like I, I don't know why Lionsgate is the one who produced this and Lionsgate does a lot of horror movies, so I'm kind of confused why they made a blunder to be like like, let's release it in July against yeah. Barbenheimer instead of, like, being like, okay, let's release it in September as, like, a soft release for Halloween. It's it's weird because, like, the beginning of this movie isn't overly gory and it gives me, like, Coraline and, like, trick-or-treat vibes where it's, like, Halloween themed but not overly, a little spooky. It's a little kid trying to, like, figure out a mystery in their house and it doesn't really take an R-rated turn until the last 15 minutes because mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's an F-bomb thrown around and then there's a lot of gore at the end. But it's not even like it's quick gore. I'm like, I wish this would have been like PG-13 because I feel like an R rating is kind of weird for this movie for most of it. I don't know. But I feel like there are movies that have yeah. much more intense subject matter that have been PG-13. And I don't really know I why actually am surprised. R. I'm surprised now that you mentioned it wasn't PG-13, which I didn't even think to look at the rating. But literally, Samuel said that this was essentially a horror movie that they made for kids. He's like, it's a horror movie aimed for kids. And that's why there's a lot of, like, fairy tale elements in it. And he, like, took a lot of inspiration from the Grimm's brothers. So, I'm actually very surprised this isn't a PG-13 movie. I'm double-checking that I'm not, like, crazy. But I feel like that was a discussion that a lot of people were talking about. Oh, yeah, R. Yeah, right there. That's so weird. I just don't think it's an R-rated movie. Like, I don't know. Mm-mm. Okay, the other weird thing is, I'm, I looked at IMDb, obviously, just to, like, look at this movie and make sure, like, I had everything. So it's so it was released in theaters in July. And there's... A, mm-hmm. And RogerEbert.com, Monica Castillo for that website, gave it one star and reviewed it in July. So I know it was released in July because people have reviewed yeah. it in July and saw it in theaters. But now on IMDb, it says coming soon releases October 20th, 2023. So I'm wondering if they're going to either re-release it in theaters or if they're going to just release it on a streaming service but it's weird because you could rent it right now so i don't really know I think why that m- it says that i feel like it must have been a streaming move because that's the only thing i could think of is that maybe they had somehow announced it that it was already being released couldn't back out of the july release date and said you know what we're gonna bring it to streaming sites during halloween because it will do very well then like that's literally the only thing i could think of because yeah i feel bad because i think talk to me came out either like a week or two before or after this film yeah. and talk to me was definitely the most talked about horror film this summer so this little this little movie just could not keep up yeah. anywhere which is really heartbreaking to think about well, the thing is like talk to me isn't for me because I still haven't gotten to watch it yet, but it's not specifically Halloween themed, right? It's not. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, yeah, why no, would it's not you release all. a Halloween movie in July? To me, that's just, I don't know. I guess they wanted to try to recoup 
some of the money off of it maybe in the theaters and then they knew they would make a bigger splash with it on streaming during actual October is the only only thing I could think about but correct me if I'm wrong was Trick or Treat actually released in October something's telling me I, I feel Trick or like Treat bombed Trick or Treat at the wasn't box really, office too yeah which I love a good anthology film that's one of the main reasons Trick or Treat had my heart from the get-go just because it reminded me of creep show and stuff growing up December 9th in the United States but that was for a... No, okay, okay. So December 9th was a film festival. And then October 10th, Scream Fest. October 13th, Fangoria. Okay. So when did it actually release in theaters? October 4th, 2009 was when it was released in Los Angeles, California. So it Okay, was so it was an October film. Yeah. Maybe there's another Halloween movie I was thinking of that wasn't released in October. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I couldn't find any answers about that. So I'm curious if, like, towards the end of October, they're going to be like, come see Cobweb in theater again. I'm like, okay. It was weird. I don't know. I think it's a really well-made movie. I haven't watched Marianne yet, but it's one that has been on my watch list for a while. And so I do want to watch that one. But I really like it. This movie really surprised me at how good it was. And even like, even Scott really liked it. He was like, that was really actually very good. And I was like, yeah, I I really like this movie. And I'm really sad it's not getting more press. Because like you said, Anthony stars in it. Anthony Starr plays Homelander on The Boys, and then he's the main character on Banshee. And also he, which I forgot this, he was in a movie called Wish You Were Here, but I forgot he played, I think, the, the deceased friend from that makes them go on the trip in Without a Paddle. Okay, yeah, he was he's definitely in Without a Paddle. I'm pretty sure Billy is the friend that passed away. I was like, I think I do remember that, but I just saw it today, so I didn't get to go scrub through it. But I was like, that's hilarious. I forgot. Like, I didn't even realize that was him. And, but then also Lizzie Kaplan is in this movie, um, who is, uh, who plays the the wife to Anthony Starr's character, Mark. And her name is Carol and Peter's mom. And it's, of course, Janice from Mean Girls. But also, I forgot she did Cloverfield. The Castle Rock series, and she's currently in the Fatal Attraction series, which I started watching. She's very good in it. And also, she was in the first season of True Blood. Like, those mm-hmm. are not small names, you know? They're not the biggest names, but, like, they're people that I recognize very easily. Like, but yeah, mm-hmm. Samuel Bowden did Marianne, which is a series. Is it on Netflix or Amazon Prime? It's, I think it's Netflix. Is it Netflix? It's like a horror miniseries, I do believe. Mm hmm. And then he also did this another miniseries called Tank, but I think that was in France, so I have not heard of that one yet. And then a bunch of music videos, which I was like, I feel like a lot of horror directors start out doing music videos, and then TV shows and then movies, it seems like. I was very surprised that the writer of this movie, which I thought this movie was very well written, is the same person who wrote the terrible Netflix Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out last year. Chris Thomas, Thomas Dev, Devlin. Uh, this is his only other film to his credit. And I was like, I hated that movie. And I thought it was real dumb. Although I can yeah. see where writing it down on paper, it didn't seem as dumb. If that makes sense. It was more the execution was dumb, I guess. But very, very black and white, this movie to that movie. I'm glad I didn't know that when I watched the movie. 
gotta be honest. And then the music was by like a band called Drum and Lace. Have you ever heard of them? Mm-mm. I hadn't either. But it was like, it's good music. It's a lot of like little kids going, la, 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 la. Like creepy little kids singing. Sorry if that terrified anybody. Creepy little children singing is terrifying. And the cinematography was by Philip Lozano, who did the other movie that he did Marianne with him. I would say the cinematography is definitely one of the highest points of this movie. Yes. I like the cinematography and I like the production design. Yeah. So, and definitely rather to me pointed this out, but I agree with them. Like the way, so like the house that the movie takes place in is like a, a really cute little farmhouse that's kind of like old that has like a pumpkin patch in the backyard. But then like when you go into the house, it's much bigger than what it, should be and there's a lot of like like really like decorative wallpaper in there and like there's a really interesting bathroom with lots of tile that again just looks too big for that house and in a way because it's like all told from peter's perspective the little eight-year-old boy like everything's oversized because that's what the world feels like when you're a little kid it's like everything's too big and so it was like that's i think why it reminded me of Coraline because like there's a lot of her like going in little things and coming out and everything's like a weird size and stuff um and they also do this really cool thing with like light and shadows where like they'll yeah project the silhouettes of the parents over him like sleeping and listening in and it's just like a very creepy creepy thing um like the yeah. whole setup is and there's also some dolly shots that mimic the shining <laughs> Which I found kind of fun. Picking up another thing that it kind of reminds me of Coraline is that kind of distrust of parental figures. That's something that's very prevalent yeah. in this movie, too. It is. It also reminds me of, like, Matilda a little bit. Like the oh, yeah. Book more than the movie. I don't know. Did you read? I'm sure you read Matilda as a kid. Actually, that's one of the only Rodell books I haven't read, actually. Oh, my God. It's my favorite. My copy is just busted. We probably have had this conversation before. Sorry. But Matilda... It's a, the book, the parents are worse, and it's very dark in the beginning because she is just flat out neglected as a child. And like, she does all these little pranks to kind of get back at them and stuff, which this movie does that, but maybe to a, a darker level. We'll just say that for right now. So it, it does, it, it reminded me of, like, the beginning of Matilda. My mom, I remember my mom reading it to me and being like, oh, this is mean. Adults aren't this mean. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Mm. And then I read, <laughs> but then, so I just read it by myself. And uh, it's, oh, it's such a good book. Yeah. But, I mean, Roald Dahl is also, like, super dark. Like, the witches, they're trying to kill children, you know. All kinds of, you know, Willy Wonka is, it's fucking terrifying if you think about it for a second that children are in mortal peril for most of the story so you know didn't shy away so there's a little Ronald doll there's a little Coraline I don't think Coraline is Ronald doll though but Coraline was a book I believe beforehand Coraline was a book it's Neil Gaiman oh that makes sense mm-hmm. also very dark and into fairy tales yeah this movie's like it's a little fairy tale-y but like in the modern world but not super modern because like the teacher has a cell phone, but I never see the parents having a cell phone. But is it something like Dogtooth where they just don't have cell phones so the kids can't call? I don't know. It's kind of creepy. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention the teacher. Cleopatra Coleman plays yeah. the teacher. Miss Divine. 
um, who we all remember her as Alexander Skarsgård's wife in Infinity Pool, the one that was sane enough to leave the creepy vacation. And then she was also on the series Last Man on Earth and Dope Sick. And then, weirdly, there is one other character, but one, I don't really want to spoil the other character, if you haven't seen the movie yet, and two, I wouldn't call an actor portraying them, but we will talk about that in a little bit. But um, I will say, it was weird, there's a bully, a bully of Peter's. Oh, I didn't say Peter's actor. Peter's actor, we mentioned it, Woody Norman, who was in, is in the current film, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, but also in a movie that I haven't seen yet, but I've heard really good things about called Come On, Come On, um, that came out yeah. a couple years ago, I think. Uh, I think it was either last year or the year before, but he played Joaquin Phoenix's nephew in that movie. It's yes. an uncle nephew story. Um, and then he was in the series The White Princess, which I remember him. He's one of the little boys in the tower. Um, one of the princes who got locked up in the tower by King John. And probably murdered. But the other kid in this movie is, uh, who plays the bully, Brian, is Luke Busey, who is Gary Busey's son, which seems weird because he's, like, not... I didn't think Gary Busey could have a kid that young, honestly. I thought all of his kids were probably adults at this time. Also, God beer that child's strength because having Gary Busey as a father sounds very traumatic. Just saying. Uh, Like, that man has a lot of stuff going on. Fun fact, Luke's mom, Stephanie, actually plays his mom in Cobwebs, too. So the where oh, you see good. his mom behind him giving the pumpkin, that's actually his mother in real oh, life. Oh, good for her. She did a mm-hmm. good job. That was really funny. I was like, haha, that's yeah. something that would happen. But I think that's all that we can give away without giving it away. Except that this movie is based loosely on Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart. Yeah, I read that on Internet Movie Database, and I don't really see it that much oh, myself. I do. Other With than the knocking, I think it was a, a jumping knocking. off point. I think it was a jumping off mm. point for it because it now, is creepy to feel over, hear knocking over and over again. You see this movie game compared to Barbarian and the Black Phone. That's something that like I kept I seeing over and over again. I, say, I mean, once again, loosely. Like, to me, loosely, I'm like, okay, maybe loosely. But, I mean, at this point, that's arguable that you could see every horror movie has something from another horror film right. in it. Also, know? this movie was produced by producers connected to it and Barbarian, which I couldn't see the specific ones, but it's in their promos. as like, from the producers of Barbarian and it. And so, cool. Both had creepy things there is no creepy incest monster in this movie though thank god thank god yeah we we skip that trope um but there's other stuff um but i don't think there's anything else we should say without it no not not, completely ruining the plot not too too much now uh john carpenter was a heavily heavy influence in halloween specifically i think you can see that in some of the pumpkin and jack-o'-lantern shots yes but yeah, it was interesting. I found, for anyone who wants to dive in deep and read a little further, I did find interviews with Samuel on Bloody Disgusting and Screen Rant. So there was a few interesting things, but I think we touched on a lot of them. Now, he did mention the big thing was, like, he didn't want cheap scares and the fears and the mood and the score and the production design. And I would agree with that, because this movie... I don't mean this as an insult, just truthfully, it wasn't really scary to me. 
but it was it was very visually simulating to me. I think it I will creeped say me that. out. Until I figured out what was going on, I was very much, like, on the edge. But it was mm-hmm. more of, like, like, a warm, creepy blanket to cuddle up to in the best way yeah. possible. Like, it was creepy and spooky, but not, like, too crazy spooky. And, again, it shouldn't have an R rating. Yeah, I would I really, agree with that. There's one use of fuck, and... There is some gore towards the end, but I don't I don't think it's I guess trick or treat was rated R2. There is violence towards children. Yeah. Maybe that's why. I don't know. I would give this a PG thirteen, gonna be honest. But you know, if it's Halloween and you want to watch something with your kids, especially if you have preteens or teens, I think this would per- be perfectly fine for them. Maybe not an eight year old. I don't know. It depends on the eight-year-old. But, you know, I'm not a parent of a human child, so I can't really tell you what to do with your kids. But I will say, I think the R rating is a little over the top. I would say this is very, very tame compared to a large majority of what I watched as a child and what my nephews now watch. Yeah. I would say even this could probably be shown to, like, you know what? It honestly reminds me, like... And he said that this was a movie, like a, a horror film made for children. And honestly, in some ways, it kind of does remind me of a little bit like Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark? But just a little bit more serious in tone, especially in the latter half of the movie. But the general like creepies that does where it's kind of like, you know, the over like story arch of like just setting the story up. And mm-hmm. like it's more the mood than the actual scares. Yeah. Um, which atmospheric. I'm grateful for. I don't like... Yeah, I'm not a jump scare type girl, so I actually really no. do appreciate when jump scares are in movies. No, there's like a little bit of jump scare, but it's not, it's like very quick and it doesn't happen over and over again. Anyways, on, on, to, to on back to cobwebs. I, I do have a little, a little mini rundown and then we'll be at spoilers. As Halloween approaches... A lonely and bullied eight-year-old named Peter stumbles upon a dark family secret while investigating mysterious knocking noises beckoning to him at night. That's all you get. Go watch the movie. It's available on VOD and maybe on October 20th. Mysteriously. But it's, it's, it's worth the watch if you like any of the movies we've compared it to. Spoilers now. So... Get off the pot and come on back at the end to figure out if we would recommend this or not. So this movie, I think, just to just to get into the spoiler, it is the best person in the walls movie I've ever seen. Because generally speaking, I hate those movies. I didn't like the twist in the boy, where there was the boy in the wall, or... What was the other one? There was one really recent. The only one I would say that I like because it's so campy and like absolute bullshit is the people under the stairs. People under stairs, yeah. Which I, I thought would say this the movie best. was gonna be this, but then I was like, oh yeah. no, it's a dark turn. Did you see it coming? Did I see it? Co- uh, are we are we getting into like spoiler spoilers? Oh yeah. Because what part are you asking if I saw it coming? Did I, I did I see know. the twist up? Did I see the twist that the parents weren't maybe, that maybe they were hiding something worse? I did see that twist, yes. Yeah. I was did like, I, it's did too I see obvious the... that they mm-hmm. killed the little girl. 
Right. So that's I. So that's the only thing. Um, I actually had a lot of bones to pick with this movie, which okay. is like as you're like, I loved it. I loved it. I'm like, oh I no. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh. So one of my things, but it doesn't really explain. I have yeah, questions it's like, about did, the end. Did Sarah, I don't know if the little girl, like, if Sarah saw the trick-or-treater and killed her and they covered up the death yes. and maybe that was the point they locked her in. Yes. Or if the little girl saw Sarah and they accidentally, they, the, the parents killed the little girl. So I'm not no, for sure who's the legitimate no, murderer. I do believe, after the second time watching it, that Sarah killed, because she said, oh... Just like the little girl from before, and she went and killed all the prowlers, or the trick-or-treaters, mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, she killed her. I, okay, so I that's what I was thinking. I'm 99% pro- sure that she killed them, her, and the parents locked her in that little hole in the basement, and then buried the body for her to cover it up. Okay, so yeah, so, and then that's the other thing that I was thinking, so I was like, was Sarah a home birth like or was she just like a deformed baby and because she was deformed they didn't want anything to do with her like also yeah. how is she able to like completely rip the head off of someone but not like break down a door like <laughs> i don't a, know okay. there's a lot of like that's what yeah. i think is like okay so this movie you know it starts out where like you know you hear a knocking and you're not sure if it's like in the kid's imagination because the mom keeps saying like you have such a wild imagination peter but, like, obviously there's something there. You finally see an eyeball, and you're like, okay. And then, but it seems like, it sounds like an, a regular little girl. So I was like, oh, is she, like, the newest in a series of serial killings that they've been trapping inside, like, in a secret room in their house or something? Yeah. You know, that's what I was thinking at first it was. And then I was like, ah, oh, that's too obvious. And then you finally meet the sister who is, I don't know if they call her Sarah in the movie, but that is her name on IMDb and Wikipedia, so it, we'll just call her well, Sarah. Well, it's the teddy bear. The teddy bear has the name Sarah oh, on it okay. that he finds. Mm-hmm. Tight. And so Sarah comes out and is like a monster, but not. Also, she's not a real monster. She's just been living in the walls for such a long time that her fingernails have grown long and her hair is long. And so she's got spider webs and cobwebs all over her. But, and that all was like, okay, so she's secretly, like, she is actually a bad thing that her parents were trying to hide from away. Okay. But then she has, like, superhuman strength. And Mm -hmm. I didn't get that. And I also kind of felt bad for her because her parents didn't want her. And I was like, why didn't they call social services or the police? Like, why didn't they, like, get her help if she had tendencies? Yeah, well, even, like, the things that, like, bother me. Also, so when we first hear Sarah speak, she sounds like a child, like, maybe, like, a six- or eight-year-old, like, Peter's age. And then she has, like, a demon voice. But I'm like, she says she's his older sister, and she's been in the walls all these years. I'm like, why would she ever at any point sound like a little girl? Like, at the youngest, she would be, like, a 15-, 16-year-old teenager, right? Also, why does Peter only hear the noises after being in the house for eight years? Like, why... 
Why well, now she does he hear her voice? Until he was big enough to knock the uh, to, clock over. To knock the clock over. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense a little bit. But why do the parents gaslight Peter versus like just like saying like, hey, you have a sister, but she's very evil. and She will hurt us and you. I don't know. It's just like it seems more suspicious that they like try to hide everything from him because obviously it backfires in the worst way possible. I think I think it's two things. I think one it is that they want to have a perfect family and so they just are pretending that everything's fine because it makes them feel better. I think the other thing is that they probably couldn't trust Peter to tell because like, he probably would tell somebody. And they're trying mm-hmm. to give him a normal life like they are sending him to public school but then also like okay so Peter under the influence of Sarah before he knows she's evil pushes his bully as his bully keeps bullying him and then smashes his pumpkin named oh whoa was it hubert horace dang it i feel like it was yeah i feel like it was the h name i just can't yeah. remember either oh i can't remember but anyways smashes his pumpkin um that he painted and then brings him one back with his mom as a forced apology and then peter pushes him down the fucking stairs because sarah's like show him you're stronger and he breaks his fucking leg and it's pretty gruesome although there's no blood but they immediately expel him and i mean here's the thing i was like really surprised with that because i went to like catholic school where a lot of kids who had behavioral issues who got kicked out of public school came to our school and it was also like kids that it was it was a mixture because it was a private school you know a lot of kids got sent there after they did something bad at public school but because of that they didn't automatically expel kids for doing stuff like that like not obviously they really hurt somebody but like i don't know i was like is if the kids never done anything wrong before wouldn't you call a counselor first like, and then the teacher's like, well, we can't do anything. Like, the the substitute, Miss Devine, who's played by Cleopatra Coleman, she's, like, very concerned. So she goes and visits him. But then the principal's mad at her for going to the house because, like, well, he's not wetting his pants. He's not talking about sex or anything. He shouldn't be, you know, what makes you think, like, we can't technically report it. I was like, but he threw a kid down the stairs. That's weird behavior for a young kid. That would be something that you could report. Well, also to me, it's like, we know like anyone who's like paying attention, there's obviously signs of like him being bullied and stuff because he has Mm -hmm. no desire to like be out recess with the other kids. Mm -hmm. And obviously they know that like the little boy smashed his pumpkin because he brings a new one to him in front of the class. So if it was me, I would be like, why are we suspending my child when uh, he's been being bullied for, you know, weeks or months and he finally snapped? Like, I mean, I'm not saying two wrongs make a right, but at the same time, you can't put the ultimate punishment on this kid when this kid has been badgering him to this point. Yeah, I I, I didn't think it was super realistic. If you're a teacher listening, let me know if I'm wrong, though, because maybe that is one thing that, like, it would be in the rules that, like, yes, you have to expel them, like, no matter what the circumstances. Mm. But yeah, it like, again, I do have questions on this movie. However... I really like this movie. I love the little pumpkin patch in the back. And I love, I love the casting of Lizzie Kaplan and Anthony Starr because both of them do such a good job of being able to like toe the line between being 
almost boringly normal and terribly frightening and unnerving. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a really good job in this movie where you can't quite you you know something is off, but you can't figure out what it is. And I will say the moment yeah. it turned for me was when they moved the refrigerator and had a secret basement entrance for timeout. That was ter- kind of terrifying. Yeah, and that's also like to me like a a huge extreme. Like, you know, like, let's go from, like, mildly scolding our child and making him do chores to putting him in the fucking basement. Yeah, and I guess that had happened before, because, like, he was, like, time out. She's like, okay, go to your room. And then he's like, no, he's in, he's grounded. I was like, what does that mean? Oh. In the basement, on the ground. Maybe they're just really into grounding, like, people who have to walk barefoot. For a few mm-hmm. couple minutes every day. Maybe it's that. Just kidding. But I also noticed the second time I watched it when she makes the pumpkin muffins for, or the pumpkin cupcakes or whatever for Peter when she lets him out of the basement. There's one sad face one. And I think she took the sad face one to Sarah. I think so too. What a bitch. I mean, just because your kid is I mean, a monster doesn't mean you have to be rubbing it in. That's something also I think. Uh, so without getting too much into the ending, something that I wish we had seen instead was maybe rather than Sarah resenting Peter, if she was like more protective of Peter. And then like if Peter saw her and was scared of her, then that's where the resentment came from. So like where it's building to, I wish we had a different like conclusion than where it eventually yeah. builds to. I don't know. Yeah. It was like... There was all these little interesting ideas that were kind of adding up and then it never really got there for me. I guess. I don't know. I really liked it. I, the only thing I don't like is Sarah as like a functioning human being. I'm like, so why didn't they call social services? Why mm-hmm. hasn't anyone checked in on her? Why did, like, did they say that she had disappeared too? You know, why didn't what did the I'm curious what does Cleopatra Coleman's character do after this does she call social services to come get a little creepy girl locked in a basement like I mean I don't know what else you do at that point I mean yeah, she's not a little kid anymore she's a teenager but still like I would have liked them to have put her in an institution at the end yeah and I feel like that would have been like the end of Spoiler alert for this movie, but, like, you know, like, at the end of, um, shit, French movie. Oh, High Tension. We're, like, Mm -hmm. she's, like, in an institution. You know, I feel like that would have been a kinder ending because I was, like, because she's, like, nobody likes a monster. And I was, like, but is she a monster or is she just insane and needs to be helped mentally obviously she does but i really hope that they do call the police because also the oh also so little peter gets convinced by his sister that his parents are about to murder him so to beat them to the punch he poisons their soup with rat poison i loved how that came out though because i do like that scene yeah in the beginning of the movie like the dad's like oh i think we got rats that's why you keep hearing noises in the walls and so he has him help him put rat poison in some traps and he's like oh it smells like cinnamon and he's like yeah but don't eat it and then like 
they're like eating this soup and they're like, what's different? Mm, it smells like cinnamon. And then like you notice Peter hasn't eaten any of his food. And then they just start puking black sludge up. And it is, like, disgusting and, like, horrifying. I think the tension built in that scene is, like, one of the best scenes in the entire movie. Because it's, like, they're eating, you know, because at that point, like, it's on Halloween. So a trick-or-treater comes and, like, mom gets up. It's like, oh, wait. And she, like, goes, sits yeah. back down. Yep, they and, like decorations just... on their front porch. Come on, y'all. If you don't yeah, want trick-or-treaters, don't decorate. And then he's like, is the porch light off? Like, yeah, but you still put a pumpkin out there. But yeah, that's the thing. So they're eating the soup and he's like, did you do something different? They're eating it faster. And then he literally says, it smells like cinnamon. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know from earlier in the movie, that line sinks in for just a second. And then he turns and looks at Peter and then he turns to the bowl and then you're like, oh shit, he hasn't. And it's like, I love the setup of that scene because it's so brilliant the way that's filmed. It really does create that tension. And he's like, what did you do? And he's like, I've been talking to my sister. And then as soon as they hear the word sister, then that's where it's like the ground falls out from underneath them. Yeah. And she's like, Mm -hmm. what? And the phone cord is cut. And I was just like, oh, my God. So the thing is, like, this child murders his parents. Now, the mom, maybe he didn't because she fell on her knife. That was her fault. I'm just kidding. But like, he does, he does kind of murder his parents. Even, but they were abusive. So I'm like, does mm-hmm. he have legal action, or do you think he lied and said the sister did that to like people? Like, is he now going to become a monster because she has made him do monstrous things? Because like she is, she she's like, yeah, it's normal to like kill, like push your bully down the stairs but like i do like there is like a lot of lead up to like halloween and like decorations and like the teacher like him like drawing a drawing that says like help me and then she goes to the mom and you're like what the fuck is going on with the parents like she's just very like the mom's like yeah i was a teacher i gave up to become a mother and she's just very like like she's always wearing turtlenecks and she's like very like stifling and just like repressed and you, you can tell she's a little nervous about the dad like he's more of the taskmaster and but she's also like scared and you're like oh and towards the end of the movie when you figure out what's been going on you're like oh so the reason she can't work anymore when she became a mom is because Sarah required constant surveillance when she was a kid and then when she murdered that little girl, they had to lock her away. So someone has to be home all the time. So it's not that she wanted to quit. It's that she quit because she had to. Okay, makes more sense. And then, like, the one thing that gets me is, like, so this movie, there's not a lot of gore except for the kid breaking his leg. Up until the point where this, to me, was comical, but, like, interesting. So the little bully kid, Brian, brings his, like, three older cousins with him to, like, fuck up Peter's house on Halloween night. But not, like, the outside that would make sense on Halloween. They actually go inside the house and start busting things up with hockey sticks. And Sarah's been let out by Peter, and so she just starts murdering them. Like, and she kind of has, like, monster superhero strength and powers. And I get that she can climb on the walls because she's been living in the walls. Okay, I can accept that. And that she has, like, really big claws because she's, you know, her her nails have grown out. I can accept that as well. But, like, I don't know where the superhuman strength comes from. Is it from all the climbing? But she, like, literally, like, rips kids. She rips the bully's head off 
and puts it in yes. a jack-o'-lantern. It's awesome, yeah. but also really gross because it's a little kid. And also, like, there's one kid where she just pulls under a piano and there's just, like, blood everywhere. And I'm like, what did you do? Did you explode him? I'm so confused. So, like, it goes off the fucking rails, which I found entertaining, but wasn't super believable. But everything else yeah. up until then, I was like, oh, I love this. This is great. But I will say, of all the people in the wall movie, this was, like, the least stupid of all of them. Because even people in the under the stairs is real stupid. Yeah. Now, it's not... I really didn't like the CGI they used on Sarah's face at the end. I wish they hadn't had Yeah, I didn't that. want to see her it face at all. Yeah, I didn't want to see her face at all. I think it would have been more horrifying if maybe she looked more normal. Because yeah. then it would be like, like more horrifying that they could actually do something like that to their child. Yeah. Like, I guess that's my biggest question know. is did she look different and that and they treated her badly and locked her up in the basement because of how she looked and that's why she became what she was? Or did she look normal originally and then was terrible and killing things and killing animals and then they locked her up because they felt like that was the only choice they had. The fact that she yeah. says, when I was born, they hated me, makes me think that maybe she did have, like, some kind of birth defect or something and she wasn't, yeah. quote-unquote, perfect in their eyes and so they treated her shittily. But you don't get the full explanation, which I kind of like because sometimes movies over-explain too much stuff. You know, but I kind of, like, in this case, I'm just curious. Because I don't, I think it is scary if she's just a person who's doing bad things, if that makes sense. Yeah. I would have liked to seen. I think if, like, I had, like, if, like, so if my friend wrote this movie and was like, hey, you know, give me some, like, tips or what would you like to see? I would have loved to seen like, basically she was born, like, a normal and, like, maybe when Peter came along, you know, she had a great affection for him. And their parents tried to be like, no, you don't touch him. Don't be around him. Or maybe she and, hurt like, maybe she Yeah, like, maybe it was an accident or something. They put her away then. But I would have loved to have seen, like, maybe she was a normal, but she could have been a kind person if it wasn't for her parents abusing her. I thought that would have been a more interesting yeah. story um, than her just being a monster. I mean, kudos, kudos to them because you don't see too often like, hey, this is a monster and this is our guns and we're sticking to it. You don't see people do that too often in the yeah. car film. So, I mean, it's okay. Kudos to them there. But I guess for me, I would like to have sympathy for the devil, essentially, is like what I think would have been more interesting for me. I kind of do feel bad for her at the end. Like, even though she's a terrible murderer, I'm like, but if she really was treated like shit by her family... And she's never been loved. Like, I still feel bad for her. Like, maybe yeah. she wouldn't have killed people if you'd been nice to her. But that's the thing is, like, you don't get to hear the parents' perspective because she has Peter kill them. And I think that's part mm -hmm. of her plan is, like, you're never going to get the full story because uh, parents are gone now, too. And, you know, I, I'm curious, to, did Peter have to serve time in juvie? For killing his parents? I hated the... I hated how abrupt 
the ending was. I think that yeah. was like a big problem too. Not the whole, oh, we have her locked down here, but just it's so abrupt and there's really no closure because she's she talks about like she's in the cellar again and she essentially like gives the speech of like when you hear a bump in the night, it's going to be me. And so the last scene in the movie, you don't know if it's real or not. You don't know if it's like it's in the future and maybe Miss Divine has adopted Peter and he goes to bed and he sees her or if that's like him imagining what his life is always going to be like that he's going to be scared she's lurking around any corner and like you said there's no closure we don't know did miss divine call the police did they just leave her there with all the bodies to rot i mean what happened yeah Yeah. which like part of me likes that they don't give you too much but then Mm -hmm. the other part of me is like well i would have liked a little bit more closure like either yeah. murder murder Sarah in self defense or call someone and have her be taken away. That's the two options I want. Honestly though, I still think it's a good movie. I still think like you should probably watch it if you like Halloween movies. Maybe wait until it's streaming if you want to. I felt good enough to buy this movie. But I don't know, like, maybe it just was my thing. I don't know. I just, I ended up really liking it. I will say, like, when Miss Divine is trying to chop the wall open, that is, like, an exact same dolly shot as um, Jack Torrance axing the door in The Shining. And I thought that was really cool. So, really cool cinematography, really cool, uh, like, set design, and, like, even, like, costuming was really interesting. Um, it's very, like, timeless. Like, everyone's, like, it's obviously, mm-hmm. like, modern because there's, like, cell phones. But nobody's dressed, like, trendy. Like, uh, Carol and Mark, the parents, are dressed, like, not, like, like just kind of, like, old-fashioned. Like, not quite the 50s, but, like, classic American. Like, I'm dad. I'm wearing a sweater. And khakis. And, like, the mom's always wearing... Like, she's kind of dressed like Annie Wilkes a little bit. Which is funny because, like, apparently she plays Annie Wilkes in the Castle Rock show. Which I only got one episode into that show. So, didn't get very far. It's very timeless looking. And I guess that's why I'm like, this would be a good new movie to add to your Halloween movie watching collection. Because it is creepy. It's atmospheric. But it's not overly scary or there is gore. But again, I just don't think it should be an R rating. And I don't understand what everyone had against this movie, like marketing wise. Like, it's just like they wanted it to fail. I would agree with you that it would be like a good Halloween watch just because there's not really so many scary movies, but not really many that take place on Halloween or like around Halloween. You know, so I would agree with that. You should check out our list from, I think, was it last year or the year before where we did a list of movies that take place on or around Halloween. Yeah, and of course, I'm like, Halloween and Trick or Treat are always the first two that come to mind for me, but there's a few more, so. Yeah, there's Behind the Mask and then uh, Lady in White, Woman in White, Lady in White. Oh, yeah, the, you uh, you're right, that. you're right. Yeah, the the uh, woman in white. So, yeah, yeah, that's a really good, that's a good old school horror film yeah. from the 80s. I love that movie. Yeah, it came on streaming last October and I finally got to watch it. And um, The Changeling technically takes place on Halloween I night. I love The Changeling. Very, well, but it's not very Halloween-y leading up to it. But I do like that movie a lot. And then, oh, Ginger Snaps also takes place in Behind the Mask. I think I already said Behind the Mask. 
I'm trying lady. to think of anything else. See, you said Lady in White and Changeling, which are like two of my favorite Halloween yeah. movies from when I was a kid that I watched with my mom. So Yeah, you were on our list, so I ended up... Well, we did Changeling on the podcast, and then mm-hmm. I ended up watching Lady in White last year, and it was really good. I really liked it. This, this movie, I guess, kind of reminds me of that, too, where it's like a kid trying to figure out a mystery. I love those kinds of oh, stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you like? Did you did you get malignant vibes because of sibling evil sibling? A little. I mean, a little bit. Like I think malignant was probably more obvious. No, it mm-hmm. wasn't. I had no idea that was. She was just gonna rip her fucking head open. But That's the best part. I love malignant. Anyways, this movie is not that off the rails, but it does go a little off the rails at the end, which I think is satisfying. And it's only an hour and a half. So yeah, I, like I that do too. like appreci- I do appreciate the running time. Now I will say this is not the movie's fault, but we were having closed captioning issues, and my TV was all the way up, and I still had a hard time hearing some things. But mm. the ending got really, really dark for a minute, and I was having a real hard time seeing things on the screen. And naturally, mm. Taylor was like. Oh, we have a glare on the TV. It's time for a new TV. I'm like, no, the fuck it's not. Like, it's obviously, like, the cinematographer of the Battle of Winterfell must have done this movie. I'm just kidding. You but know. yeah, I did have a, I did have a hard time seeing some things. I'm like, is it my eyes or is the movie just really dark? Who knows? But yeah, there's definitely questions in this movie. Generally speaking, I had a very, very positive experience watching this movie. I think it deserved more viewers than it got. And so if you have the extra cash to watch it, please do, because it deserves it. However, I will also say that it uh, has a lot of questions at the end that are not answered, but it's definitely better written than Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. So maybe this writer is going in the right direction. Also, why didn't she just kill the mom when the mom came to feed her? Yeah. Unless she was really just terrified of her parents because of the abuse. Maybe. Maybe. That's but the yeah. only thing I could think of, is that she was just so scared of them. Because technically, after we saw her dispatch the bullies the way she did, she could have killed her mom and dad easily a long time ago. But she also injured her dad because of the mark on his arm. So maybe yeah, they just so never allowed themselves try. to get close enough. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's weird. So... Did you have a rating for this one out of 10? Uh, I wavered between a 5.5 and a 6, honestly. It wasn't Jeez. like it wasn't like the worst horror movie I've seen at all. <laughs> Not saying that. For me, it was just very mid. Like, it wasn't bad. There's things I like about it. Like, we've talked about the scenic design. The cinematography is really good. I love that Lizzie and Anthony really got to do their thing. Um... I guess it's just really the ending and the latter half of the movie, other than the table scene, didn't really have a wow factor for me. The table scene was phenomenal. That was my favorite scene in the whole movie. But I don't know. I guess just, I'm a big ending girl. And since the ending just kind of was like, uh, like it just kind of deflated the overall experience for me, I think. Interesting. Well, I loved it and I gave it a 7.5. Okay. I can't say it was like an 8 because... It wasn't a perfect movie and the ending had problems. But I think this is a solid, solid, solid Halloween movie. And more people should be watching it. 
Yeah. I do agree. I think it would be a good Halloween film. Like, definitely one you can put on um, when you're baking your cookies and wanting to get all cozy and open the windows up because the air feels good outside. I think it's definitely, like, a vibe for that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Did you have, like, a Grindhouse Girls rating for this? I did. Uh, So, I rated it S for Spiders, Sisters, and Substitute Teachers. Oh. I rated it P... For pumpkins, punk prowlers, and possessive parents. Oh, I like that. That's cute. Okay, P for pumpkins. P. Okay. We'll go rated P for pumpkins. We haven't had a rated P in forever. There's too many I don't S think words. We've had <laughs> S, we always S have rated and, S and C. And, and bees, I feel like bees get thrown around maybe yeah. every now and then. Yeah, we'll embrace the P. That sounds like something yeah. dirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, it's been one of those days. But next, so next week will be our first official Spooptober episode. Yay! And we're going to do, uh, well, we'll, we'll be doing a, a Spooptober Hallow Stream watch list, which I guess we, we won't spoil those because that's the whole point of listening to sidetracks. But after that, we're going to have a very special guest on for our first review episode of the month. And that is our friend Dalton. Yay! You may remember them from our old boy episode most recently. And what movie is Dalton bringing to the table, Britt? They are going to be doing Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Yay! Skipping two, going straight to three. (laughs) Yeah, we so the talk cult about classic. Two, I guess. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is that if you guys know anything about Three Happy Happy Halloween, the big thing mm-hmm. is that that's the mm-hmm. one that like uh, people are very polar about that movie. But uh, yes. it is a cult classic for sure. It is. It is very Halloween atmospheric. Like the whole thing is is like the lead up to Halloween, much like Cobweb, where it's just like. Very atmospheric. There's just decorations everywhere. People in costumes. It's great. But it is very different than the first two Halloween movies and all the other Halloween movies because John Carpenter wanted it to become an anthology. We're like, okay, so we've got the Michael Myers story wrapped up. He got exploded at the end of Halloween part two. Tight. So he's like, okay, so let's do a different story in the same universe. And that's what Season of the Witch was. But then nobody liked that and they missed Michael Myers, which is why all the terrible sequels came out. And some good ones. So, it's very different. And yeah, the Silver Shamrock will always be in my brain. The jingle. Currently, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, as of today, September 19th, is streaming on Peacock. Yay! Or you can rent it on Prime Video. Yay! Um, But yeah. You should definitely watch that one, and then we'll be back for Spooptober. Um, it's that time of year. Uh, make sure that you um, take your vitamins, because like I said, COVID is trying to rear its ugly head. I have, like, a sinus infection from being in the ocean. I don't know. Every time I go to the beach, I come back with a sinus infection. I don't know what it is about ocean water, but I had a great time, and I got a little bit of a tan. And by the way, y'all, Gizmo can swim. With a flotation device. It's fucking phenomenal. And it was hilarious. Hopefully I will I will try to share those pictures on the Instagram. Because it's pretty it's pretty awesome. 
Um, but be sure to wash your hands. Uh, if people are coughing around you, try to stay six feet or more away from them and just try to like isolate when you're in public places as much as you can. And once they have that booster out, try to go get that booster and just take care of yourself and stay alert. And if you are feeling sick, we do hope that you feel better and you take time to rest up and take care of yourself because that's very important and we love y'all and thank you for listening yeah um definitely yep also be mindful of what you eat this time of year greens are good for you the fruits and veggies they're good for you i've been trying to add more lemon to my water i've been trying to also eat more of my blueberries and strawberries and granolas just because i do like to think of them as little immune boosts and they do taste good as well spade and neuter your pets Take care of your fur babies. Also, uh, pumpkin is healthy for dogs, not pumpkin pie filling. Do not give your dog pumpkin pie or pumpkin pie filling, but pumpkin's good for them. It's a good little healthy snack. Uh, Read more into what your Mm -hmm. dogs can have and cannot have. But yeah, wash your hands. Take care of each other. Uh, Drink your water. Stay hydrated. Uh, We love you all very much. Take care of yourselves and one another. And we just look forward to seeing you next time. Same spoopy time, same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, y'all. Spoopy, y'all. Bye. 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 Bye, Ryan. Bye, Ryan. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.